if you can't forgive one another, you might as well just give it up. You're, you're never going to make it to freedom. Just enjoy the change you've forged for yourself and stay uh, imprisoned in the world that you have created for yourself in the civil government you have established. Don't, don't whine to me that, oh, there wasn't full disclosure. Everything has been done out in the open. You just haven't been paying attention. You've gone back into the bondage of Egypt. You've returned to the mire. You've been entangled again in the world. And you've done everything that was prophesied you would do. You're under a strong delusion, thinking you're actually free when you're actually a slave. And that's the way it is. You can't just undo that with a wave of your hand. You have to repent, turn around, and start going another direction. You have to start setting the table of the Lord. We know you're good at eating at the table of the world, the the welfare of the world, which David and Paul talked about is become a snare and a trap brought you back into bondage what Peter talked about through your covetousness you will be made merchandise nothing but human resources uh, what Samuel told you elect a leader who can exercise authority who will make his instruments of war and take your sons and daughters and make them run before his chariot and serve his needs and he will take the first fruits of your labor all that's already happened You've already gone to an exercise authority because you wanted benefits from men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. You tell me you believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't see you doing what he said. If you love Jesus, you would have kept his commandments. You have sinned. Write it down. Now, repent. Turn around, let's go the other way. Now you're going to need to gather together with other people in order to repent and turn around and go the other way. Now you can repent without gathering to other people, but you cannot turn around and go the other way unless you are actually as concerned about others as you are about yourself. So we've done, we've created a living network. Now that's not an email group. Now, you can get on it by joining an email group in your local area. You know, if you're in California, join the California group. Actually, Arizona and Nevada are all in the same California group until they get so big that we cannot handle them all in that group. But if you join that group, you need to actually make a connection with somebody who is alive. That makes it a living network. We do not want you dependent upon the Internet for connection with the rest of the people that are turning around or seeking to turn around and seek the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and tend to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, which is what the church should be doing. Your church is probably not doing that. Your church is trying to make you feel good about yourself. Well, I want you to be good and then you will feel good about yourself because you are actually being good. It's the be attitude. It's not the feel attitude. It's not about what you feel. It's about what you are. It's about being. It's not about feeling like you're righteous. It's about being righteous and doing the righteous thing. That's that's where we need to go. And so in order to do that, you have to gather together with others. Now, the people on the network now are very scattered, and a lot of them are sitting there wondering, what should I do next? And we need to start teaching people how to do what Christ and the early church were doing. We have a number of projects to help us learn that process. We're creating a His Church seed trust, mission, every group, every uh, uh, one who is able to do so will grow extra seeds and learn to save those seeds. And in that process, they'll learn more about gardening and, and producing seeds. And we will test those seeds and certify those seeds amongst ourselves and share those seeds in, in bartering or in charity or whatever. However you want to share them. I mean, it's all about your choices. We're creating your choices. In order to have choices, you must have some stuff to have choices. I remember way back 
when we began this uh, at an agreement conference in Colorado, somebody was talking that we didn't need our stuff. We don't need our stuff. Everybody always thinking they need their stuff. And then I got up and I said, I agree with everything he said, but not what you may think he said, because you do need your stuff. You need your stuff so you have some stuff to give away. You cannot practice charity if you have nothing. So you have to receive something to give it away. And recently on the network, I've tried to show our contact ministers that they have to start giving. They have to start giving away. Some of the contact ministers are getting it. I hope all of them get it. That this is this is a government, and a government needs to be supported. But it's not by forced offering. It's supported by free will offering. And the people in their congregations that support their efforts, whatever their efforts are. I mean, if they spend an hour and in, in a week working on the network, they should get paid for that hour. Now, maybe they don't want to be. Maybe they'll spend 10 hours, and they want to give that out, those 10 hours away. Well, you know, I spend 50 hours, <laughs> 60 hours a week, and I give all that away. But uh, I could use some support, too. But they have to figure out, I'm going to do what I can, whether they anybody supports me or not. But they, everybody has to figure that out. It needs... You need to start forming a government that is supported by faith, open charity, that actually provides for the needs of the people by faith, open charity. And we've started doing that. We scratched the surface on it. We've got a long ways to go. But if you really love Jesus Christ, you will start to take that journey and seek the kingdom and his righteousness. So uh, that's one thing is the seed trust. Uh, we're also talking about CSAs, which are community supported agriculture, which means that we connect families in a local area with local agriculture to obtain grains, foods, vegetables straight from the farmer, not from the grocery store to processors and processors and processors, but straight from the farmer and you process it yourself. Most people don't know. I remember way back uh, when I was younger that my wife had a girlfriend who was talking about making a cake from scratch. She thought that was a Betty Crocker box mix with making cake from scratch. You know, we said, no, you actually get flour and, you know, and eggs and you make it from scratch from those things. Well, actually, we, we actually make, we can make it, <laughs> we can make that loaf of bread actually from the seeds themselves. And we produce a number of things here, and everything is grown here. You know, we can actually produce fuel for uh, tractors here. We know how to do that. Now, we want to do it on a larger scale, but basically we want to know how to do those things so that we can turn those tractors and put them to work producing crops and take those crops and and process them so that they become uh, good, nutritious, edible foods. I mean, most of the foods you get are depleted in minerals, depleted in enzymes, uh, depleted in the things that will make you healthy, and therefore most people are unhealthy today. We have a plague of cancer. We have a plague of diabetes and a lot of other diseases which we do not need, we should not have if we were following the precepts of Christ. The churches aren't doing that, and these people are going to church and feeling good about their salvation and actually producing food that is poisoning their neighbor. It's causing their neighbors to become sick and ill. No Christian can be producing aspartame. You can't be doing that. You're producing poison and feeding it out to people. You shouldn't be poisoning your body if you love the temple of the Holy Spirit. Food matters. What you put in your mouth does matter. Now, yeah, Christ says, you know, when they're talking about the food laws, that it's not what goes in your mouth, but what comes out. That's true, too. 
doesn't mean that you get to eat poison. You need to be caring for your body, to, not adulterating it with poison. You know, I was talking to somebody uh, recently uh, uh, at a church gathering, and uh, he was talking that, you know, he'd worked with the university here in Oregon, and they were purchasing their lab rats for testing for cancer cures from a place down in California, I won't say where, and the uh, rats were not getting cancer. They were actually injecting them with cancer to see if they could cure them, and they wouldn't even get cancer when they injected them with cancer. And so they said, well, what's the problem here? Why aren't these rats getting cancer? Well, they were evidently feeding them residue from the garlic fields that were all around them where these rats were being raised, and the garlic was making them immune to cancer. <laughs> well, so now they get the rats somewhere else uh, so that they can find a way to cure cancer. Uh, why don't they just tell everybody to eat more garlic? <laughs> you know, it's kind of a no-brainer. And not that eating lots of garlic is going to cure all cancers because there's so many other things you do wrong. But the healthier your body is, the less likely you will get cancer. The healthier you eat, the less likely you will get diabetes. He has family members that were diabetic, and, and he is no longer classified as diabetic. He was, and he has been cured. Of course, he has to still watch his diet. But by watching his diet and eating whole grain foods properly and properly prepared foods, he isn't getting, he isn't showing up as a class two diabetic anymore. While his brothers who aren't doing that and going to the pharmaceutical companies and doctors, they're on insulin. So you can do something different. You can take care of yourself. And growing, you know, not only growing our own seeds is important and, and connecting with farmers so that we get that food closer to the farms, uh, remineralizing and feeding our soils and rotating crops and doing some of these things that it tells you to do in the Bible in the production of your food is going to make you a healthier people and make your children healthier. And wouldn't you want to do that if you loved your neighbor as yourself? You wouldn't want to teach your neighbor also to do that? Are you going to commit adultery by poisoning yourself? Are you going to be loving and caring of the gift that God has given you, which is life, and try to feed the body, not the tongue? So these are projects that we're working on. Every congregation is going to be learning more about this. All that information is out there, but if we work together, everybody knows that a study group is a better way to learn than going off simply by yourself. If you get a study group that is enthusiastically working and studying and, and trying to uh, have a common goal. And that's what we need is a common goal. And that's what needs, and that common goal is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, to love thy neighbor as thyself, to love one another as Christ loved us. That's our common goal. This is our doctrine. How do we do that? Well, there's lots of different ways to do that. And, and some is to produce our own seeds to make us independent that way so that if there was a shortage of seeds in the world, there would still be adequate seeds amongst the congregations and networks of congregations. If there was shortage of food in the world and they went to rationing food or whatever, we could still supply one another with enough food to get us through. That's what the early church was doing in 150 A.D., clearly doing by the records and the explanations and the apologies of men like Justin, who tells, who, who writes Antonius Pius, the emperor of Rome, and says, this is how we do it. Those who have share with those that don't have. Well, you can't do that properly unless you're networked together in a living network of connections that aren't dependent upon the Internet. So everybody who becomes a part of the living network needs to pick a contact minister. If they don't, they will eventually be removed from that Internet network because you have to start reaching out to one another. If you're not, why should we share with you? You're the foolish virgin who aren't – you're just wasting your oil off somewhere else, dancing around, doing your own thing. Well, go do that. That's fine. We're not going to keep, we're not going to make you, we're not going to drag you, we're not going to force you, but we created this network, the instrumentation of this network, 
so that you could come together, not so you could sit on the couch and do nothing. And by excluding you, we are rebuking you because you're not working together. You say you are working together in your own little network, your own little group. Oh, okay, go, go work together. But if you don't care about the rest of the groups as much as you care about your own, that's evidence to us that you aren't really doing what Christ said because he said to care about your neighbor. That would mean if you were doing that in your own little group, then you would, your whole group would do that with the next group because that spirit would be pervasive throughout the entire network. But if you, if you don't agree to those terms, then you don't agree with us. So why should we make a place for you on our porch? We, we should shut the door. And you let you knock all you want. But you can't come in. Christ is telling us this is the way he's explaining it. Now, now if you repent and you say, oh, okay, yeah, I see the importance of a, a kingdom network. Then, and I want to do this. Come and do it. We have some people that were elected contact ministers, but they don't want to give any information, you know, their personal information, identify who they are, and but they want to be a contact. Well, you can't be both. Contact minister is, is that central point at which several people connect with the rest of the network. So a contact minister wants to know who the other contact ministers are, so that he can connect his people with the other people of the network. This is the way the early church operated. It was a network. You know, ten families picked a minister, and that minister got together with nine other ministers. Well, we got people picking a minister, but that minister doesn't want to get together with nine other ministers. He just wants to do his own thing. He's got his little congregation, his little kingdom. He doesn't want to share them with anybody else, and he doesn't want anybody else to share with them, evidently. And he's willing to cut those ties so that he can have his own little congregation and kingdom. Now, he doesn't want to probably put it in those terms, but that's what we see. Because if we really wanted to see the fruits of somebody who's tending to the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith, we would see somebody who would want to connect their congregation to all the other congregations by connecting with all the other congregational ministers. And they would want to do it in a network-type way so that they could keep those relationships on an intimate basis so that each group is the small group connected with other ministers who are connected in small groups that are connected with other ministers who are connected groups of the best servant of servant of servants as your titular leader. He's not your ruler. He's not telling you what you do or what you can't do or what you have to do. He's just a leader because he is showing you and giving you choices, and you are making those choices. If you choose, choose not to gather together as congregation, you're doing something other than what we're doing. And you're on your own. And you have a right to be. But you are forsaken for when you return to You're listening to FirstAmendmentRadio.com worldwide. Freedom is never free. We need your support today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Gold and silver is tremendously undervalued. Global demand vastly exceeds mine supply by more than 60% annually. There is little in the financial world more certain than a coming explosion in the prices of gold and silver. The U.S. dollar continues to lose value and respect as the world's reserve currency. Our nation faces challenges on many fronts, and a day doesn't pass without another economist bringing forth warnings of impending economic calamity. There has never been a better time than right now to acquire physical gold and silver. Discount Gold and Silver Trading was founded on the principles of truth and honesty. We believe in providing a quality product, quality service, and most importantly, competitive pricing. We provide all forms of precious metals, including American gold, silver, platinum, and rare investment and circulated coins. Silver bars, rounds, and 90% silver bags are on hand for the silver investor. Gold self-directed IRAs are available. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, that's 1-800-375-4188. 
Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Order online today at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call 559-781-3773. Who will tell them if not you? Hi, Nicholas here. I used to lug those big jugs to the market to fill with water from those coin-operated filter machines. 25 cents a gallon or 5 gallons for a buck. I used to. Then I got the big Berkey. Now I save my back and hundreds of dollars too. I was paying $600 for the same 3,000 gallons of water that a pair of black Berkey filters will provide from my own tap for only $99. This means that your Berkey water system will entirely pay for itself with only 1,500 gallons of use. And then you will still have 1,500 gallons left before you need to replace the filters. Do the math. Stop throwing your money away at bottled water and filter dispensers that may or may not be delivering as promised. For a limited time, First Amendment Radio is offering 10% off on the most popular Berkey water systems. Visit the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com or call us at 559-781-3773 for more information. Leave your name and address and we'll send you this special offer. Do it now. First Amendment Radio is an authorized distributor of Berkey products. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about the Living Network and how you can join it, how you can be a part of it, how you can be a part of what the early church was doing and learn more about what the early church was doing. And it's very important that people start doing that because over the last 2,000 years, people have been led into a false concept of what the message of Christ is really all about. It came to set you free, not bring you into bondage. Religion today is used mostly as an opiate of the people and to bring you back into bondage because it says it's okay that you're a slave to the world, slave to men who exercise authority, but in truth, it's never been okay. It's always not been what God wants, but he also knows that only the most virtuous of people should be free. The slothful should be under tribute. So most people, being slothful in the ways of God, should be under tribute, are under tribute, and will remain under tribute, and will probably perish under tribute, because they are not deserving of, not that anybody's deserving, but they, they simply are incapable of being in the kingdom you know i mean there's a long list in the bible of those who are not going to be brought into the kingdom liars people who say oh i will do that and don't do it that's a liar somebody who says they'll do something and don't and doesn't do it uh people who uh promise to pay taxes to the government and then refuse to pay those taxes because they get mad they're they're liars too you know, Peter said, yeah, my master pays the tax, and Jesus made him pay the tax. He just said it. He didn't sign anything. He just said it. And he made him keep his word. Very important. You know, you can't come into the kingdom if you're a liar. You can say, I believe in Jesus, but I like to lie. And well, that, those are incompatible statements. If you love Jesus, you will not like to lie. <laughs> You will only want to keep your word, and you'll be very slow to give it because you know how important it is to give it. So you won't be saying, yes, I will do this, or yes, I will do that, or even signing agreements that you will do this. You won't do that unless you really intend to keep your word. And once you sign them, you will keep your word. But if you love them, 
You will, his commandment is to not bear false witness, to keep your word, to do as you say, make your yeses yes and your noes noes. And so that's a very important aspect of seeking the kingdom. There are other aspects. You won't be a backbiter. You won't be, uh, you know, a fornicator. In other words, um, fornication. They talk about a national fornication, fornication with the world, uh, fornicating with the world. Well, that has to do with applying for those benefits from the benefactors of the world. You won't want to do that. Now, you may have to do that right now because you've been in bondage so long. You know, it's like having a broken leg. Uh, you may need a cast. You may need the, the assistance of the world, but you can turn around and start setting the table of the Lord and seeking that way. And the Living Network is one of the ways to do it. And some of the exercises that we recommend is to be a part of the His Church Seed Bank, to be a part of a local uh, community uh, agricultural uh, community serving these agricultural uh, relationships by getting your food directly from the farmers. And how you do that, you guys have to work that out on the Living Network and find contact ministers who will do their homework and set you up and make you a part of that. And if there aren't very many people in your whole group in California, then we need to start working on finding others. And that's another project. We're talking about a tour this year going around and speaking in towns all over the country. That means that we have to advertise a speaking engagement. We have to time that speaking engagement and time the advertising of it, promote it, and get people in together and start getting them to introduce one another. We have to touch these other congregations that are already in existence, other small churches, uh, some of them 501c3, uh, signed on incorporated churches some of them not we should be able to preach the kingdom everywhere now we know that a church should not be filing 1023s a church should not be incorporating but many people have already done that and that isn't the key thing to setting your church free the key thing is learning to come together and care for one another and that's what we have to focus on and when they're ready to hear about the 501c3 1023 and all these other things, then we can share that information with them too. But there's absolutely no reason to bring that church out of the, that incorporate status until the people are actually starting to follow the ways of Christ and actually starting to care for one another. And many churches actually have systems of charity within them where they are beginning to care for some of the needy in their congregation. But we won't see that really taking off or reaching the pentacles that it needs to reach until really hard times and those hard times will appear as inflation where the people that are on welfare the people that are on social security the people that need assistance suddenly the funds they're getting are not enough we're going to see unemployment running out and people are already doubling up and people are already coming back together your standard of living is going to change as you get closer to the kingdom it's not about maintaining the same standard of living it's about not dying spiritually and physically. And the efforts and the sacrifices that we make so that our neighbor doesn't die physically will mature us spiritually. And this is what happened with the pilgrims. I talked about it a little bit on Blog Talk, but we had a minister who was actually saying that the uh, uh Mayflower Compact was signed, this was a great document, signed by the pilgrims to give their leaders the power to make laws. That isn't what it says in the Mayflower Compact. That isn't why it was signed. That isn't anything to do with it. This is that Somebody's talking off the top of their head or maybe their high school education or maybe they read something somewhere that somebody said something that's stupid and foolish, but that is not why they signed the Mayflower Compact. It wasn't a forerunner of the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution of the United States. Um, the Constitution of the United States really isn't anything like the Declaration of Independence, and they have really nothing in common. The Declaration of Independence was actually a declaration of unwarranted dissipations and the saying that we're not going to be a part of that. 
but they could sign the Declaration of Independence because of what the pilgrims and many other people like the pilgrims were doing. We aren't doing those things. So we don't have a right to sign the Declaration of Independence because we're not doing what those men did. We're not. And what those men did is simply removed from our thinking. Most people, you ask a kid, you know, ask them, what were the pilgrims doing? They said, well, they had Thanksgiving. <coughs> uh, we say, they came here for free land. They didn't come here for free land. They came here to have land that was free. If you look at the documents where they're writing, uh, they're talking about being subjects of Great Britain, of the king, of the dreaded king. But suddenly, when you get up to around uh, uh, 1626, in that area, we see them writing documents talking about freemen, having freehold titles and land. This is what they came for, is to have a freehold title and land, and they had written into their contract that after seven years of labor and proving up land for the company, that they would end up with a freehold title in land. They would actually own the land. And this was important because the definition of a freeman then and even now in the Oxford Dictionary is someone who has a freehold title in land. People don't have that today. They have legal title in land. And they do not understand the, the words of uh, freeman uh, the possessor of an allodial land. That's right out of Black's Third Dictionary, page 1106. People have a legal title in land, and a legal title does not include the beneficial interest. It is the antithesis of an equitable title, which is the one whom the law considers to be the true owner of the property. And we cover all this in Law versus Legal, which is part of the book, one of the chapters of the book, Covenants of the Gods, because... You see, we make all kinds of covenants with men and make those men rule judges over our agreements, and therefore they become the gods of our lives, the rulers of our lives, and not just to protect us from somebody who robs or steals, but to force our contributions in a sacrifice so that they will have power to control us and make their instruments of war and take our sons and daughters and make our sons run before their chariots and expose them to DU and kill them by the tens of thousands for their own purposes, to take our the first fruits of our labor. And we tempt these men to become dictators because of our sloth. The slothful shall be under tribute, and they shall make tyrants out of men. Saul was a good guy till they elected him king and gave him too much power. And they gave them power because we would not accept the responsibility of being a self-governing body of men bound by faith, hope, and charity and the common love and service of God by serving one another in a network of individuals and congregations they're bound, again, only by that love and charity. We are so far from that only free government instituted by God. It is a shame, a shame upon our heads. Governments are not instituted by God. The Constitution was not instituted by God. It was instituted by men. I've seen the Constitution. I know who signed the Mayflower Compact. Oh, that's actually a call into the church. Let's answer that call, if I can remember how to do that. Uh, hello? Oh, I'm not hearing anything. Hello? Let me see, caller. Are you there? I, I heard it stop ringing. Somebody else may have answered it somewhere else. Oh, I know what the problem is. We're probably not hooked over, so we're not going to be able to do that. So I'm going to drop that. I'll have to change other wires, and there probably won't be enough time in the show. So um, 
they'll just have to call back afterwards. Call on Blog Talk, uh, not Blog Talk, but uh, Talk Shoe, and we will have a call in on Talk Shoe, and people can bring up uh, what they need to bring up. Uh, evidently, I needed to move some more wires around before we have call in on the show. Uh, and they're way over my head, so I won't take the time to do that. But we'll talk on Talk Shoe. That's where we have our interactive discussion right after this show. And those who want to join us can do so. And the information on how to do that is only available on the network. So you have to join the network in order to find that information out. And every contact minister has that. Most everybody on the network has that. So. That's where you find out what numbers to call and what numbers to punch in to be on the talk show and have a conversation with us. So anyway, we were talking about the pilgrims, what they were doing. They, they, they were learning to govern themselves, and it wasn't the compact that allowed them to do this. It was the sacrifices that were, they were making in that first year. And they came there to actually own land, to become free men, so that they could exercise more of that responsibility and take care of one another. And a hundred years of doing that and thousands and thousands of people who died attempting to make that happen. Half of the pilgrims were dead the first year. Uh, almost every woman died. I think there was like 17 women, women there that came originally, uh, maybe even more than that, but there was only about four left after the first year. Uh, Bradford's wife died. She fell off the boat and drowned. Almost the first day, uh, and she was spared a great deal of hardship. There were times when more than half of the colony was so sick they could not even stand up, and the other half were dragging themselves around to gather food and firewood because they were starving to death. They had uh, like one kernel of corn uh, to eat a day, and uh, then they scrounged whatever else they could get, and uh, they were starving. They were starving to death. They were malnutrition. They were freezing cold. It was wet. It was hard. They had started uh, building their homes in the English method of wattle and daub, which required a huge amount of labor. Uh, they quickly began to learn other methods, and as they learned those methods, they shared them with the other pilgrims who came, the other separatists who came in the following years. And in a very short period of time, they went from handful of people that struggled to even survive to uh, thousands of people and they supported one another so that when there was Indian uprisings they came there and defended one another and when there was usurpations by the king they were able to stand it was the landed uh, people the people who had land who actually were free men these are the ones who could say to the king and sign the Declaration of Independence. The subjects couldn't sign that. The the men who were not landed really didn't have right to sign the the document referring to the Declaration of Independence as unwarranted usurpations of the king because they had not yet earned their freedom. They had not yet become free men. They were totally subjects, and that's why thousands of Americans actually uh, swore allegiance to the king, fought on the king's side against their neighbors. It was a minority of Americans who said, we're not going, we're going to throw off this usurping king. If the king wasn't usurping, they couldn't throw off the king. But because he was violating the law, they could throw him off. But before they could do that, they needed to abide by the law, tend to the law, the weightier matters. They had to actually take on the responsibility of obtaining the land. They owned the pilgrims' own stock. They had made an agreement with the company, and they bought that company out so that they would actually own the land. And that was part of the agreement, that 100 acres would go to individuals who spent seven years of laboring for the company. And some actually got less than that because when they began to divide it up, and there's a whole story about that because they came late, later, you know, like the men who came on the Sparrow and other ships that were sent by another guy who was sending colonists there to prove up a colony for himself. He was not picking the caliber of individual that we found amongst the pilgrims. 
uh, they didn't have the virtue and character and self-sacrificing. And they ended up, you know, just absolutely stripped naked by the Indians, literally, and uh, dying of starvation uh, because they went off and they were going to start their colony. And I see this men, you know, talking about, oh, they're going to be free men in this world. And they just say, oh, I'm just signing all these things and I will send all these contracts. I'm going to go off and be a free man, uh, a sovereign. And they don't have the virtue. They don't have the coming together. They don't have the mutual sacrifice. They don't have the humility. They don't have the honor. They might as well forget about it because they're going to end up stripped naked with nobody to help them at all. They're going to be cast out maybe someday, and they're going to be in absolute destitution because they're destitute in the spirit. You need to have that character of Christ if you wish to be a free soul under God. And you, most people don't have that. They need to develop that. They need to be long-suffering. They need to be patient. They need to be loving of one another. They need to be forgiving of one another. They need to keep their word. They need to be charitable and support those that are working daily so that others, not themselves, others will hear the message of the kingdom and the ways of the kingdom and provide the services of a kingdom through faith, hope, and charity. Not simply have people come and work on their place, take care of what they want, but actually they go and work on other people's place, give to other people's need. If you don't care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself, you don't care about the others in your congregation as much as you care about your own congregation, if you don't care as much about your neighboring congregation, near or far, as you do about your own congregation, then you do not have the Spirit of Christ in you. You may have a portion of it, but you're spiritually constipated. You're not letting the wholeness of the armor of God to flow through you and what you do. In the Hebrew, there's a there's a letter mem that has to do with flowing, connected with water and, and streams and anything that flows. And it is very much a part of many of the words that have to do with things like uh, charity and love. It has to flow. It's a utility. You have to freely receive and freely give, freely give and freely receive. In the society that men have constructed for themselves, in the political domain in which they constructed for themselves, they are not doing that. They are forcing, not freely giving. They are forcing the sacrifices of their neighbors, often for a righteous cause. You know, build a hospital, build a clinic, you know, provide for the needy, provide for the elderly, provide for the injured. Good cause. They're forcing those contributions. They have become a thing because they don't have the freedom of choice anymore. They have given the power of choice to other men. They have given their liberty to other men, corrupted those men by giving them too much power. And they need to repent of that and turn away from that and go another way. And that way is the way of the kingdom, the way of Christ. And Christ is the answer. And Christ is the door. And Christ is the example who came not to be served, but to serve others. You don't join the network because of what you can get out of the network. You join the network for what you can bring to it. Because if you're not willing to give and share and participate and help build up others and help others and create choices and opportunities for others to do what is righteous, then you're not interested in the kingdom of God because that's what it's all about. And you haven't really repented. You just want to be in control. You want to regulate somebody else. You want to create some sort of board of directors that's going to vote and say everybody has to do it our way because 51% of the people say this is what we're going to do. Well, the way the kingdom works is that you give, you empower individuals to make choices. You say, here, minister, here's 50 bucks. Do what you see is fit. And then you watch him, make sure he's doing a good job, and then you give him another 50 bucks when the time comes in your heart to do so. 
but you give it to them. You can't give it to them and then say, now you have to do this with it because I'm going to regulate. I'm going to chisel this stone of God's altar. I'm going to make him do what I think he should do. You haven't given it up then. You still want to be in control, and that's the, one of the major problems. Everybody still, you know, they want to create a congregation, and then everybody gets, uh, uh, you know, and that's the early churches, and we talk about this in higher liberty. We talk about these terms, presbyter, which means elder. That's an elder of a family. Ten families get together. Every grandfather of that family, every elder of that family is, a major portion of that congregation and the decisions that that congregation makes. But they don't make them collectively because they're not an unincorporated association. They are a gathering of individuals bound by faith, open charity. And you make, the elder makes the decision, I will give the minister five bucks. I will give the minister 10 bucks. I will give the minister 20 bucks. And we have agreed that the minister is in charge of making sure that widows and orphans are taken care of and we know that's going to take up his time and energy so we know that he has to take a portion of that and we're just going to watch and see if he does a good job and we know how much we gave him so we know how much he has to work with because he keeps records and he says well i received 100 from him and 50 from him and 20 from him and this guy came over and helped and so then i had these resources and i did the job and here's the widow and here's the care that we've given her and you say, he's doing a good job. I want to keep giving to him. That's where the elder makes his choice to keep giving or not keep giving. But the minister has the choice to do what is right by what is given to And we don't have a right to keep that stone. That That's the way it works. If you want to know more about the way it works, join us on blog talk. If you want to know more, go to the website. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.